Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Chad and Rick on Broke Talk. Hold up. What are y'all about? Get ready to have your mind blown. You're now listening to Bro Talk with Chad and Rick. Building worlds with good vibes. Talking to you. Coming live from nowhere and everywhere. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. How are you? I am so glad that you have decided to, well, spend your evening with me and Rick. The one thing that I can tell you right now is the part of Rick is being played by no one. Because tonight he had a show to do, and, well, he went and done it. He'd done that show, I guess, and I am taking a good guess that the show did go well. Um, I've not had a response back from him. He did say that at showtime he was going to send me a text saying, hey, it went well. The show did good. But as you can see from my standpoint, I have not received a text from him. Now, so I don't know if the show went well or not, but I'm be willing to bet it did because all his shows generally do go well. And if you're listening and you've clicked on the Facebook link that I sent out and I propagated everywhere, um, if you want to call and be a guest in on the show, you can either call my cell phone number, and I can probably add you on if you know it already. Um, or you can dial 845-277-9144. Again, the guest call-in number is 845-277-9144. You can also just sit there in that lobby and listen if you want to. Um, It's perfectly fine because you can. I don't have a way of knowing if you want to get on the show or not. Um but you can. Uh, let's see. What is going on today? Uh, today I'm just going to jump in and I'm going to open up my chat room. I might not be paying too close attention to it, but I will have the chat room open today for any questions, comments, concerns. Also, too, if you Again, know how to contact me, and you have my actual number. You can send a direct, a direct text message to me. And don't worry, this time I've turned the notifications off so they won't overpower me or anybody else that might happen to be on listening. Um, <laughs> yes, tonight I do have the chat room open for definite. So if you've gone to the link, there is a. A chat feature that you can listen to, uh, link in, and actually talk to me directly if you'd like to. Now, what was I looking at? Um, I had something rather interesting pop up today that made me actually stop and um, made me stop and stop and just go, hmm, because it it made me like what what is what is going on? Um let me find it. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. So this is what it was. This is actually what I stopped and had to uh, go home about. And a lot of people have been talking about this on various other platforms that I'm a part of. Um, the body camera video shows that 13-year-old Adam Toledo put his hands up before the fatal shooting. Um, the mayor pe- uh, appealed for calm on today, which is Thursday, as the city released the video camera of last month's fatal shooting of Adam Toledo, who was 13 years old, by a Chicago police officer. And the an incident that appears to show Adam's hands in the air when he was shot. And I'm looking at this video, and his hands were up in the air. Um, one of the officer's body camera, uh, body cam video shows when he pulled up, he pulled up in a car, gets out, pushes past another man and runs down the alley shooting stop, stop towards Adam who's dressed in jeans, a sweatshirt, and a white baseball cap. Adam runs away from the officer, then slows down and pauses near a fence. Adam can be seen in this video tossing what apparently appeared to look like a gun, and in the video it does look like a gun, behind a fence as he slows down. Now, according to a surveillance video that was shot across from a parking lot, the video shows the gun coming to rest on the back side of the fence. That's when the officers ordered Adam to show his hands. Now, according to this body cam video, the officer shouts for Adam to stop. Hold on. Hello. Oh, Wait, wait, what's going on here? Oh, it did not. Hello. Oh, oh. I thought I was talking out. Oh, damn, I fucked no. it up. Yeah, <laughs> no, you, you you really did. I'm literally right in the middle of a of a segment. Oh, I'm sorry, man. You asked if I still wanted to be on the show, and I'm drunk in a laser right now. Totally forgot about that because one of my favorite comedians came to town today. We got to meet him. I was starstruck. But oh. yeah, I I do want to be on the show, and I was wondering if I could just do it through the phone. Yeah, dude, yeah, you don't have to be nowhere. You're on the show right now, dude. Awesome. I don't even know where you live, to be honest. I mean, you, you kind of seem like the guys live in the forest on the moonshine farm. I do, <laughs> I just don't want to drive to the forest, that's all. No, you can't You can't get back here without without a... You, you do it, yeah. Yeah, you, you actually have to is walk about, I, a, about a quarter mile. Yes, yes, it is. No. Okay, so it's like an albino village out there. You guys are like the smartest, aren't you? Yes, yes. <laughs> you have to know the Regular colored people just can't see it. No, no, they cannot. <laughs> Can I introduce you to a good friend of mine? I think it'd be great on your show. All right, go right ahead. We got some special guests here today. We got Harmony. Right. Yeah, what's up? What's going on, Harmony? We got Alex. What's up, Alex? You said Alan or Alex? Oh, hola. Hola. <laughs> and we got a Lee over there making food. Say what's up. Hey, are we on air right now? We're on air right now. I, I said I was in the middle of a segment. Awesome. Aaliyah. Aaliyah. We're on air. Can you say hi to the people? Be respectful. Say hi. <laughs> Stop. Don't choke it. Choke it down and say hi. <laughs> <laughs> 
Come on. Uh, with, a, with a name like that, you should be able to choke it down without the cost and be able to say hi. Come closer to the phone so we can hear you. Please. All right, Jazz, so hit me in. What's the, what's the segment about? <laughs> well, uh, oh, crap. I don't know where to go. You made me lose it. All right, Paul, I didn't oh. mean to mess up the segment. No, we're talking about the uh, the officer shooting in Chicago with that boy, Adam. Adam Toledo. Ah, I would love to you know, throw on my part, but I don't watch the news anymore. It's kind of depressing. Well, I was at the point where... Um, I was discussing how they released the video today where it showed the officer basically was telling him to stop after he threw a gun, stop or drop it. Um, Adam had turned towards the officer, put his hands up in the air. The, 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 the video was really grainy, but he didn't have a gun in either hand at the time. The officer fired his gun in less than a second after, turn, after Adam turned around with both his hands raised. Okay. Uh, did, was it visible that he threw his gun though? Yeah, it was visible. It was visible in the officer's footage that he tossed what looked like a gun across the fence, um, over the fence. And then there was a surveillance video from where is it? Uh, there was say a surveillance video that was shot from across the parking lot. The video showed the gun coming to rest on the back side of the fence. So okay, well, later, I mean, later the footage shows, okay, the later all the footage shows that he did have a gun. He did have a gun when he took off from them. He did throw right. the gun down a ways to where he couldn't get at it. And when he turned around, he had both his hands up. Before he even turned around, both his hands were raised up above his head or by his head, basically. And as soon as he turned around, they shot him. So now I'm gonna give my honest opinion here. You know, so you said he he shot within seconds, right? Within a second. Okay. As so he threw his hand. I haven't seen the video. Uh, I'm not gonna make judgments before I see the video, but he stands up and then he turned around, like his hands were above his head before he turned around. Yeah. Hmm. He literally. Okay, well, never mind. I mean, I was gonna he, say maybe if he turned around and threw his hands up, possibly, you know, it could have been a second gun. You know, you get a lot of fears with cops. But well, I mean, he, having both his hands up visibly in the air as he turning around. Yeah. I mean, I, well, okay. So wait, no, I'm sorry. It's more like as he was turning around, he's put his hands up in the open palm position. But it was clear. Okay. It was pretty clear there was nothing in his hands. Well, so I'm going to look at this as a rational perspective from both ends. You know, you know, rest in peace, the man who was killed. What did you say his name was? It was Adam Toledo. He was a 13 year old boy. Oh, that is awful, man. That's awful. You said this was Chicago? Yeah, this was in Chicago. So I'm going to look at this from a couple of standpoints here. So this, this officer, you know, this this man who's, I'm going to take a, a gander and say he's probably served in law for a while. He's probably an older Caucasian male, you know. I mean, then again, I've never seen the footage, but, you know, just based on statistical knowledge of how these videos typically play off. You know, this guy, Adam, did have a gun. He... And it's a very violent weapon, you know, and things could go very south. But now this cop, who also has a gun and has a, a, a job to uphold, which, you know, let's be honest, these cops can typically stray from their line of duty based on biased roles and opinions. But, um, I mean, I, I can't get into the mind of this cop, nor can I get into the mind of Adam. No. But let's, let's say this guy, this cop, very frightened, you know, very... uh afraid you know you're in the middle of chicago you're sitting here dealing with a kid who just threw a gun you know he had a gun 
who is to say he doesn't have a second gun? I, you know, I've been in and out of the city lifestyle for a while. I've had friends who carried two pistols at a time, you know? Right, it's right. This is part of the, you know, and I'm, I'm sure the cop is very aware of that, considering he works in Atlanta Fort. But, uh, I mean, I'm not going to justify the, the murder of the 13-year-old child whatsoever. Tom, I mean, it, it's got to be possible that possibly when this kid threw his hands up as turning around, this cop possibly was very afraid, as any typical person would be. You know, and it's just a sad part of life. You know, we we put people in positions we expect to uphold some kind of perfection. You know, you're a cop. You went, you know, we went through training as. Uh, or, am I allowed to say what you do as a profession, not where you do it, though? Yeah, you can say what, but not where. Okay, okay. As a behavioral health technician, you know, we go through a much more sinuous line of training than the police academy do. I don't know if you ever looked into what the police academy does for training, but it's it's really just throwing bodies into the line of field. Yeah, it's just, you know, a lot of work is very similar, but at the same time, it just goes to show, like, yeah, these are not perspective humans. These are people that are expected to uphold a job, and then the public perceives them as a soul that's supposed to hold it up perfectly. And I'm not saying that there's not bad apples. I definitely think there are. You know, we we see them through Rodney King and Ferguson and uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's many many to go through, you know. Too many to go through. You know, say all their names, you know. But, like, at the same time, we also got to sit and respect the fact that these people have a a crazy job. I mean, how how many people have you had to deal with with a gun in your line of profession where you're sitting there thinking back and forth, like, well, if I shoot at this guy, is it justified? If this guy shoots at me, I'm going to have to shoot back. Am I getting shot at first? Who's pulling the trigger first? You know, who's dying first? Exactly. It's Well, and the it, it, comes down, it, all, it comes down to it's either me or you. That's that's what it comes down exactly. to. Exactly. And the saddest part of it all is if this 13-year-old who was clearly doing something he should not have been because he clearly had a gun. And he clearly yeah, ran. Gang banging, drug dealer, whatever it may be. It is Chicago. It is the inner city life. You know, I, I'm personally from Kansas City, Missouri. You know, and this, that stuff happens all the time, you know kids with guns. I had I had guns at 12, 13 years old. Things happen, you know, whatever it may be. But this officer, he, he can't look at this like a 13-year-old boy who has been strayed from this line of of innocence, you know. He has to look at this as, this is a suspect. This is a guy well, with a gun. This is a guy that can murder me. Well, the first initial report, they report him as being 18 to 25 years old. Oh, okay. So, well, so they did not know at the time, at the time of the, the shooting, and the whole other, the whole incident, they did not know how old he was. You know, I like I said, I can't get into the mind of this officer. I, I never would be able to, whether he's off to me or not. But I, I would like to hope that that rests on his soul terribly. I, I like to think that that, you know, any moral person would sit there and run that through their minds every single day how they murdered the thirteen-year-old or someone that could have been avoided. You know, and I'm sure that's not something you can rest easy over. I mean, unless you're the most typical, you know, the most diabolical person you can possibly imagine. Right, right. Which, maybe I got too much faith in the world, too much faith in America, too much faith in our cops. And, you know, man, at this point, I'm I'm tired of seeing this stuff happen, you know. And with this, I'm just, oh. I'm preaching myself because I'm preaching to other people. I hope oh, no, that no. maybe. It's, it's, it's constant. It's constant. It's, it's one incident after another, after another, after another. 
and and the sad thing of it is is it's been going on for for decades. For and, decades, yeah. I mean, you were alive for the Rodney King rise. I, yeah. I wasn't personally. I'm 20 years old, but I mean, I, I was alive for the Ferguson rise. You know, I actually lived in St. Joseph, Missouri, not far from Kansas City, which is about four hours from Ferguson. I mean, we experienced those rides real bad up in St. Joe. And then, of course, you know, uh, the most recent rides, well, they got those everywhere, but, like, I mean, it, it's something that happens all the time. And that is the saddest part of it all. If you look at other countries, and this is not what they're facing, the grand scheme of countries. There's countries over in, uh, for example, I'm not very knowledgeable on things. I would never perceive myself as the most knowledge whenever I'm not. I'm never going to lie about that. But uh, uh, let's use... um. Let's give this example, baby. Um, I I don't know Nigeria. I believe it was that had the, the beheadings, you know, and all that. Maybe oh yeah. Egypt. Well, it was someplace. It was one. It was an African country. We'll just we'll just say it was an African country. In the the region, you know. Yeah. I mean, but their their own government is dealing with beheadings and this and that and. Some really crazy shit, and unfortunately, the, the fact of the matter is, yes, we do have our issues here in America. We do deal with racism at its very core, and we're going to see that in different lines of force. But until we enforce better guidelines for employing police officers, which, you know, creates a separation between having a multitude of police officers and having a multitude of good police officers, because there's a fine line between that, you know, and you can't. If you were going to have good police officers, you're not going to take everyone that comes in there and applies, you know? And then what happens when the, the, the nearest mass shooting happens? I mean, in Vegas, they would have had, if Vegas would have only had all the good cops show up, it probably would have been, what, 20 cops at that Vegas shooting? If that. I mean, granted, that Vegas shooting wasn't going to be stopped. There's nothing we can do. But at the end of the day, we just need stricter guidelines on who we employ as people who are supposed to protect us because, I mean, the the public's never going to change their mind when it comes to how these people should be upheld as humans. You know, these people are supposed to protect us. They're supposed to be the purest of people. And, you know, there's no way to really see that through some kind of training program. No. People will lie their way into anything. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not the man getting paid big dollars, you know, to figure this out. So I, I, I can't give a perfect solution, you know. Well, but what they were doing, out, and I believe Washington or Oregon taking the, the, the police officer's guns, that's not going to fix things, you know, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, I would love to take everybody's guns, but we see this in the U.K. They take everybody's guns, and who are the only people with guns left? Criminals. The criminals. Exactly. You know, we, we took away alcohol, and everybody had moonshine. And it was fun. Smaller thing, my bad. Part of my language. We take away illegal fireworks and I still have the maybe you still, you still I think I have the from like three years ago yep somewhere in the garage I mean the point is when you take away a mass majority of this this single item especially something as you know destructive as a, a firearm and then the only people who have it are the people that you do not want to have it that only more corruption well, cause... What, what how's that story go you take the guns away from the law-abiding citizens who can't get them legally the criminals are going to get them however the hell they want to get them or where they're going to get them from. Exactly. And, so, and that's, that's not the solution to our problems. No. I wish, it was, I wish we could solve something as simple as taking away AR-15s. But that's not going to stop the next school shooting. You know? No, it's not. It really isn't. I, I, am, I am 100% glad that I live in a state 
that if I want to get a concealed carry, I can get a concealed carry. I'm glad that I live in a state that I can't – I don't have to have a concealed carry. I can walk around with my gun strapped to my hip and walk around the open with it, and, they can it. and that's it. Did you know – and it, this is a fact. This is a fact. The quote-unquote Wild West days where everybody walked around with guns strapped to their hips and shit, did you know there was less actual, less crime, like – person-to-person crime than there is now. I was not aware of that. Yes. You know, they make up the stories about all this violence. Is all that talk about all the violence and stuff and the gunfights, but they're honestly, a lot of that was pumped up stories. There was far less violence in the West because everybody had a gun and you didn't know, and the person, you know, you just didn't know who was going to be a faster draw than you or a better shot than you. So everybody just had the gun. So you, there was less stuff, less violence. Was, mm-hmm. there some, was there some train robberies? Yeah. Was there some bank robberies? Yeah. But it wasn't as much as what they made it out to be. It was less violence than than there, than, than what we have today. There was a lot less yeah. violence towards be- women, too. You right? So what was that? Russia? I don't know. I believe it was in Russia or something. There was this crime. It was about a year ago. I mean, my buddy talked about it not long ago. So it's like, well, the, this crime had happened where uh, I think there were condoms to be. So it was, it was like the Fast and the Furious. So they came up and they got in front of this semi truck or something. I don't know the accurate details of it, but I know they stopped the semi and they stole like a truckload full of like the new PlayStation and the new Xboxes. So my point that I was getting at here, I had to throw that accurate detail. He made a good point, but like we're not going to see train robberies like we did. We're not going to see bank robberies like we did. Now I'm from St. Joseph, Missouri. I'll probably put that out there. I don't currently live there. Don't go looking for me. I know we're on there. Right. But I'm um, the original. I don't know if you know this, but the original person who invented. The train robbery, the bank robbery, Jesse James, he, he started all of that. He was the first to do it, you know? And we wonder, like, well, we see all this crime stories that go on, you know? And you, you hear all this this smoke and mirror kind of crap that went on in this Wild West day, but they didn't have all this CCTV. They didn't have all the technology we have. You know how hard it is to get away with crimes nowadays compared to the Wild West? I mean, how, how can we factually put that the Wild West is safer than it is now? Who's not to say that the crime isn't just the same? I mean, you know, we make a big thing out of it, but it, it's hard to record documentation farther than 20 years ago to be accurate. I mean, we didn't have cell phones, in the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we didn't have cell phones in the 80s, correct? No, they had cell phones. They just didn't have pictures. They didn't have cameras I mean, in them. Documentation everywhere. I can pick up my phone right now and record a crime going on outside if one occurs. But like, even then, crimes do go undocumented. I'm from a city where shootings would happen and police would never show up, even if they were called. It just happens all over the place. Well, I but mean, that, can you blame them in certain areas, though? Right, of course. But that just goes on through history. We see that all through history. So documentation can't really say, like, we're better or worse. All we can say is we have a problem and we need to fix that. Huh. We we have a big problem. And like I said, I don't get the big bucks. To, I don't get paid the big bucks to fix those problems, so I can't tell you the problem. I feel like a hypocrite for trying to tell somebody this problem. 
Because, yeah, I mean, how simple is it for me to go, there is a problem? And how hard is it for me to tell you the actual solutions to the problem? So I'm not going to give you one. I don't know one. I've lost hope at this point, you know? Right, right. I mean, you know, and a lot of people are screaming, you know, we need to fund the police, get rid of the police, and go, get rid of the police, get rid of – well, what the hell? You get rid of the police, then you got vigilante justice going on. And that's 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 not helpful. I mean, look back at it. I, I think it was Washington or oh, – can you fact check this for me? Do you remember which one it was? I took away the, uh, the cops' guns. So do you know? I do not know. Maybe they were speaking about it or something. No, actually, I think it was San Francisco. San Francisco. I don't believe it was a whole state. I believe it was city. I believe it was San Francisco that started talking about taking away the guns from the police officers. And, you know, I, I get what they're pushing for, you know. Let's stop these police killings and brutality and this and that. But you got to look at the factual, the numbers, you know. Like, there's a lot more murders that happen within crime than does in police force. And murder in police force is going to happen. I'm not backing the police officers whatsoever, you know. And who am I to even say who was right or wrong? You know, I'll sit here and say that whenever that uh, all the the riots happened with uh, Floyd, you know. Right. Do you, do you remember the time that guy? He, I, God, I, I wish I remember the state or the city. But he was uh, he was there, and he was helping with like graffiti cleanup or something, you know. And he wasn't part of the riot. Cops started picking on him. His arm rushed him. He had a concealed carry. Oh, no, 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 he had his AR-15. And then he he fell on his back. At some guy like swung at him with a skateboard or some crap. Some guy had his pistol pulled, and he shot like three different people. He blew the like the entire bicep off of somebody. You know, we we sit here, we go back and forth. That's a terrible guy. That's an awful guy. Exactly, he was defending himself. But at the same time, I I am not there. I am not that person, nor am I the attackers. I cannot tell you what was before that camera, before the documentation. I cannot tell you what was said, nor what was, you know, uh, what happened. You know, I, I can't tell you. I am not one to perceive the problem nor the solution. Exactly. I can just tell you there there is disruption within our community. There is. There's a separation, you know. There's a line. Now, the idea that this line would be drawn at poverty. You know, I grew up in a an area that was very populated by, you know, uh, well, not not Caucasian people. I, I grew up around a lot of different colors, different lifestyles, different people. And so I always had this idea that the line would be separated at at poverty. You know, the rich and the poor. You know, that that was going to be the uprising. But unfortunately, I see it as Blue Ridley just going to see this uprising through the separation of color. And that is the status thing I can see in our world. I thought we'd be way past that. You know, we're sitting here talking about going to Mars in 2030, but we're still fighting each other over color and who shot who. And it's going to keep going. I, I don't – everybody <clears throat> – I, uh, I, I was doing another show earlier today, and well, it was like this morning, about 6 this morning. And it comes down to this. It comes down to this. Somebody somebody made a comment that we're not going to get over it until we stop talking about it. Well, the problem is, as I raised to him, is if we stop talking about racism, uh, with a lot of these police shootings tend to stem that people think that it is a racist thing, but it's not always it's a racist thing. It's just a, a scared cop sometimes. 
of that natural survival instinct. Uh huh. But if we stop talking but, about things like racism, that means it's just going to go back under the covers again. Exactly. And it's going to stem and it's going to boil over. And then we're going to have riots, like for real, burn down cities, riots, people getting hurt, riots. And then police shooting people because they're trying to protect themselves and protect people's lives or properties and stuff like that. And then it's just going to turn into a big old boil. Then we're going to have race riots, um, us against them type shit. And it doesn't work if we don't talk and talk about it because racism is a learned behavior. It's learned. And no one can tell me any different behind that because – People just don't all of a sudden become racist. Right. No, of course. I, I completely believe the same ideology. You know, they learn it from their parents, their grandparents. Someplace down the line, somebody somebody don't like a darkie, and so therefore they're racist. You know, the saddest part is it's not, it's not always about their parents. You know, I, I've been to many different schools growing up. I, I grew up with predominantly in a city with many colors, many lifestyles. I grew up on the, the poor side of the spectrum, you know. But there was this one year where I went to the school, and it was typically kids who had the, I would have gone rich, but more money than I typically would have as a family, you know. Right. And a lot of these kids, either, like you said, were raised racist through their families or whatever, but then you'd have kids who were not, you know. You'd have progressive families, parents who were young, like my mom. My mom just turned 40 this year. She's turning for you this year, my bad. Like, young, young parents, you know. My mom is the farthest from racist you can get. My mom cooking a meal, living in Kansas nowadays, and sells on Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> the farthest from racist you can get. But you'd see these kids with the same kind of uh, come up and the smallest things, such as being bullied by an African American individual. In high school, and you know, you can't pin that down on the, the ethnicity or the race of the individual. That's right. the mindset. I mean, right. one of my best friends, you know, I, I got plenty of friends, plenty of different backgrounds to, to go around for, but one of my best friends in the world, he lighted eyes until the end of the life. I, I love him, that's my brother. He is African American, you know, and our first, we can go out there and say, but you 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 can't just put that on one ethnic. You can't you can't do that. But that's what we're gonna see that happen regardless. You know. Oh yeah, you know so, I, I dated a gal for uh, let's see about six months. Okay, it was everything was just you know it was a beautiful little relationship. It was good. And then one day we we had this conversation, and you know what she told me? She told me. She said she would never date a black man. Did you know you were albino? You know, and here now, now you raised that question to me because I was talking to somebody about this. You raised this question. You know, normally I'm I'm the first person to tell somebody that, okay? And right. I thought, you know, I thought in all clear and truthfulness, I thought that I had told her that I was black. Well, you know, after after having this conversation, she told me why she'd never date a black man. She thought black men were disgusting. Um, you know, she thought they were just filthy, just whatever. And what it came down to was because, you know, like you said, she was bullied in high school by some black students that were her fellow classmates. 
and which caused her to have a hatred of black men. Okay, so I have a question. Did she grow up in a small town, a city? What kind of environment did she grow up in? She grew up in uh, – it wasn't a city, but it was a, it, it was a large town. Can you give me an estimate on the population? Like what are we talking about here? Man? Like Olathe. Okay, gotcha. So about – what is that, 150,000 people or so? Roughly. You know, and the saddest part about that is you know, I, I didn't expect that answer. Because that really does shock me. You know, I see a lot of. I'm from a city who has about a hundred thousand people, being a sub district of Kansas City who has well over a million people, and I didn't see a lot of racism in a city like my own. It was the smallest. That was not the first African American individual, the first black male or female that she had encountered who had bullied her. You know, she had a very nice uh, ethnic people throughout her lifetime. And the saddest part is that she made her judgment based off of one, two, three, maybe four individuals who had bullied her to her, her academic career. Right. And that, uh, knowing that she is from a city, knowing that she had those encounter people other than her own skin color, and then making her judgment off of people that had bullied her, that, that's the saddest thing for it, it, it really, it, it really is. It's, it's a sad thing. And what, what made matters worse was – I didn't know how to respond to this. I didn't know how to respond to her statement. I I just I I didn't. Um, one of my one of my nearest and dearest friends. She she told me she goes. You never told her you were black. I said I thought that I had, but apparently, I guess I didn't. You know, I don't blame you. You know, that's my life. Who needs to know that you're black? That's, I, I get that, but keep going, man. Well, she tells me, she goes, well, she deserves to know. And I said, well, fuck her. She doesn't need to know. I'm just going to just, we're just going to end this and be done. I mean, I, I, I didn't want the confrontation. I, I just, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with it. So she tells, well, you either tell her or I'm going to tell her. So I went back and I told her, we, well, I didn't. We, we had another conversation. Um, we had another conversation and I told her how I felt about that. I really thought, I said, that's the most racist thing I think I've ever heard. Well, it wasn't, but I told her it was one of the most racist thing I've ever heard anybody say. And she goes, no, it's, I'm not racist. It's just, I couldn't because blah, blah, blah. I said, no, that is racist. And she goes, well, why do you feel that way? I said, because I'm black. And I'm sure she followed with a laugh. Oh, yeah. She was joking. Oh, yeah. She thought I was joking. And I said, no, I'm for real. I'm a black albino, and that's how it is. And so after that set, she kind of just, I don't know, she went all pale. We did not talk again for six years after this. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you something crazy about this. She's married, has four kids, and you know what? She's married to a black man. So, sir, no matter your age, no matter how much time you have spent dwelling on some kind of racism, it's it's not it's not an irregularity in your brain. The dysfunction of chemical imbalances. It is a choice. You choose to be racist. You choose to. This ignorance over some kind of color, some kind of stigma that, that has been placed over this orientation of people. You know, in this story, it it genuinely reminds me of my father. You know, I and mean, I 
I didn't know him the most out of any person in the world. I didn't have a kid to throw the ball around with in the yard. But I met my father. I actually lived with him in high school for about six months. But I remember as a child, I would meet my father. My father, he played a lot of basketball. He was a damn good basketball player, you know? He uh, he suffered an injury in high school, and that's what kept him from going to college. But, you know, man could dunk those three quarters all day. Like nobody's business. And this was the farthest I knew from racism, you know? My mom, as I mentioned earlier, was never racist, but this man, I thought, was just a genuine, equal-hearted person. Fast forward when I'm about 16 years old, my mom moves on the other side. I don't want to move where she's going. And I'm moving my father. I'm 39 moving. And, um, yeah, it changed completely. I mean, I was probably five or six years now. I went from being the most equal-hearted, open, open-minded person. Uh, he used to talk about how he was bullying a lot in school. You know, he'd be bullied by these other individuals. And five or six of them, until his grandpa, my great-grandfather, rest in peace, uh, decided one day to tell him, you know, pick up a fucking stick, you know, by mine, pick up a stick, and start fighting back, you know. That's what he did. Back in the day, that was just a story. It wasn't about their individualities or their colors. It was he was being bullied, and fast forward when he got a little bit older, and he made this change. It was uh, he went as far. I don't tell many people this because embarrassing, but he went as far as to say, "And Jerk, I see you have a lot of a lot of black friends. You know, always hanging out with somebody who's black. There's nothing wrong with that, but man." You're going to see an imbalance one day. Something's going to come up politically, and there's going to be a riot between these two separations. You know, great. Now, look back on Asia, he's not wrong. But what he said is they will never take your side. You will never be looked at as equal from their perspective, whether you look at them as equal or not. And maybe what he said there was genuine from his own heart. But, man, if I could go into the stories and tell us of how. This man genuinely became racist. This one day, it's like he just flipped the switch. I don't, I don't know how it happened, but it's, it's the saddest thing in the world to watch somebody whose mind can be completely corrupted by, I, I don't know, an imbalance in correctness through political messages or whatever it may be. Maybe it was our current president at the time. <laughs> Who knows, man? But well, this I mean... stuff is a it's it you know what <clears throat> again like, like I said it it's a learned behavior for most people some people it, it happens over time I mean you know, you know it, it could be one thing and it could be a number of things that just that combine it, it wasn't even like she was just openly racist like you hated black people it was almost like it was like the old ignorant version of of racism, yeah. I remember one time doing had this friend Dave, and you know, he was about six foot four black, you know. And this was during high school. And I, I asked my dad, I said, Hey, can you take me to my school? It was a big step anyways. My dad never wanted to take part in actually helping me. It was he was being a part to him was just being aroused. Well I started taking me from school. I was asking, Hey, could you take my friend Dave home? Yeah, it's probably about a twenty minute drive. I went to the east side of St. Joe, you know. And this entire conversation was St. Joe. Hey, man, you ever tried track? You live really fast. 
You know, then black people are always winning the competitions in the Olympics. Hey, man, you must play basketball, don't you? And granted, he did, but, like, it was almost like this ignorant kind of racism. Like, you don't even realize what you're saying right now, and that's the saddest part. Okay, well, okay, so first, now you said he's six foot four. Yeah. Okay, whether he was white or black, I would have said the same damn thing. You must play basketball because you're a tall motherfucker. But, right, but basketball came afterwards. It was, have you tried track? Have you tried running, you know, them, uh, I think it was my Darren, whoever who saying Bolt is from, you know? Yeah. It was, you know, maybe just Brazilian, I don't remember. But, you know, there wasn't a lot of track meets in black folks, you know? I believe Kenyans. folks would be exactly what he used. It's the Kenyans. And then it's basketball. He could have been like, why don't you play wide receiver and football? It was basketball that came next. He was like, one after another, <laughs> punch after punch, hitting the, the bullseye with the dart. Every time, like you're saying the worst possible thing you possibly say to a black individual. Well, and some of it could have been just out of pure innocence. To be quite honest, some of that could have. I'm not defending it. I'm not. But I've I've caught myself doing stupid shit like that, too. You know, hey, uh, uh, I bet you're a fast motherfucker. He grew up in a city, man. I mean, my dad once told me the story of how he was a bodyguard for a cocaine dealer. You know, and this cocaine dealer was African-American, and he hung out with a lot of people like that. He hung out with gangbangers. It's basically the same story of my own teenagers, you know. We grew up in the same city. You know, one of, one of many. I, I know you were not saying that kind of shit around some, some gang-banging-ass individual, you know? Oh, no, no. You know? No, you you didn't. That's a library and banging their set and saying, you must be fast. You must run track. No, that's that's one of these things where you say, I choose life. Exactly. You either had this in your mind from the start and chose to take it out. Cause my friend David, he was a very nerdy individual. He was a smart kid. He moved <laughs> to the city. From that small town I went to that I told you about earlier, where uh-huh. I discovered racism in its entirety, he moved here from there. And he he made the comment one day that he must have moved back because he gets picked on by the black kids. He was like, I'm black, man, but fuck, man. They always ask me where I think about Uncle Sam and how I feel about him and this and that. And he, he was picked on more than you can believe for being the, the uh, sorry, uh, this falls right back in the, the stereotypical part that I believe in, but he was the most Caucasian black dude you would ever find. You know, and what bothers me is that he, he waited to pull these comments out until he did find my friend David, the guy that he was not intimidated by. My dad was six foot two, six foot three, whatever, and he fought amateur cage fighting for about two, three years. He was not intimidated about a lot of people in the, in the first place. But he waited until he found somebody who was already pretty pretty far to one side, if, if you get what I'm saying. No, I and that's that. How long did you feel this way? Were you always in disbelief of equality, equality between two different people? Because, you know, I don't know how my dad really grew up. There was never a lot of honesty. There was never a lot of stories that were told to me that, you know, made sense. I grew up in a very impoverished neighborhood. I grew up in apartment complexes. I grew up here in gunshots and sirens like there was a new track coming from Kanye, you know, all, all the right. time. Right. And uh, so, I mean, personally, I know that 
the lifestyle of being a thug, you know, you always hear, I like black people, I just don't like thugs. That's not a choice you make, man. And if it is, then you've messed up. And we need to work with an individual. I don't want to say his name. I, I would hope maybe if you would have guessed, I'll, I'll talk to you about it all fair. But we used to work with an individual and he worked during the, the school hours. And he was African-American. But he was also very obviously from a small town to where he decided one day he told me he was part of the blood gang. And I had taken offense to this, you know. I had been raised the wrong, you know, gang affiliation and this and that. Right. I was like, what makes you part of this gang affiliation? What makes you want to be part of this gang affiliation? He's like, man, I've never actually met a blood member. But, uh, you know, when you're part of something, you can feel it in your heart. <laughs> That's oh. not how it works, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, gotta, I don't know if you've ever seen the star in my hand, man, but this is a burned-in scar. It's not a tattoo. It's a it's burned into my skin. This is a five point star. And if you know a five point star is no or mean, then you know what that means, man. Yeah. I took it offensive. You, you, here, I am, here I am, a Caucasian, twenty year old male, taking offense to something someone mentioned about gang banging. And I never found myself in that position before I moved out here. But uh, it was just wild to me, you know. And you just you see this this group of people who doesn't know about the actual facts to being the only ability. When you raise into an inner city, what are your sources of the career? You will work at the corner store, the gas station. You can work at the smoke shop, selling some blunt wraps, right, McDonald's, right. but nobody has the dream of going out and making an actual ride. Nobody's working with Google or making the next biggest app. You well, see, well, there are some. There are that. That less than one percent that does, but but then, right. but then they're but then they're around other things that detract them from it. Well, I mean, you see the one kid who was raised in the hood their whole life, and yet still never stray from this dream. Maybe they do go off because yeah, you can do that. I'm not saying it's not possible. You can make a school college and go do something. But when you see a million other individuals trying life who don't fall into that category and who do fall into the, the typical thug category of where their mom, my best friend, Margaret, I, I, I hope he hates to hear about this. I never want to put his personal life on blast, but his mother has cancer, right? She has two years stops. Actually, about two years ago, they told her two years stops. So props to her. She's a very strong woman. She was like a mother to me. She got about six kids in that household, that apartment, and always had me in there. I used to work with her with her cleaning business while I'm in her white son. Uh, she don't know how I came out of her vagina, this and that. <laughs> Amazing woman, right? Right. And she's so mad at this far, but you know why Michael does what he does, and I'll tell you what he does. He scams, right? I don't know if you've seen a new way of a crime, man, but it's taking a, it's taking a, a, a large step towards what we had in the 90s. Wow. Uh, yeah, I've robbed a couple people. So let's see. I know he does it. Right. But I've seen banks. I've seen him with ten thousand dollars in the hand. I've seen him in two days, and two different banks. And you know what he does? His mom does have cancer. His mom does have those bills. His mom has these children, and his mom barely makes enough to get by. She lives in an apartment small enough to fit about a four-person family. And she got about six people in there with a yeah. baby daddy who 
Well, that, uh, well, then, shit, I respect that hustle, then. And, that's why, and a lot of people do not see this. They just see a criminal. They see that this man was gang affiliated from the start. They see Michael as a, a black bag wearing DDK member who goes out and steals from the They don't see this innocent individual who from birth had to wash his mom's sauce and took herself out. And to the point where she got to the, the level where she was prostituting other people out, she became the pimp, you know? And props to her, she is a bad individual. I, I'm also my language for the life. She is a bad individual, you know? She did everything she could. She put food in that kid's stomach. And thank God, because I love that man to death. And um, <laughs> he's dumb. He's real dumb. I love him to death, but we have a lot of enlightened conversations, but at the end of the day, man, he's the first one to put a show on you, you know? But that's that's not because that's who he is. I've seen who he is. He is the kind of person that wakes up at four in the morning because we were just got we just got done doing a bunch of drugs, a bunch of alcohol. We woke up and decided to talk about how the universe is a simulation and quantum physics. Wow. <laughs> so when you get past how he's pistol packing, sagging, selling dope, and scamming banks. He's a real human, and too many people don't get to see this, you know? Right. And that's the separation between body and mind, you know? You see somebody's body, and you respect this thing out of them. But once you see somebody's mind, you know who they really are. Exactly. Going into a store, we used to go shop. We had money. Granted, we were drug dealers. <laughs> we had plenty of money. So we'd go into a store, and we're planning on buying the store out. But you got some old Caucasian white lady in there. She's looking at Michael because he's got his knees down to his pants and a black flag on his head. And you know what she's thinking the moment she looks at him because she's staring for a hot minute. You know what exactly what she's thinking. But she doesn't want to think that this man could be a very intelligent intelligent individual who is going to score in physics for me at four in the morning, you know? Exactly. Can you blame them? Or can you just the role with the the shots and accept how the reality is? Because I don't see any change being made, man. You know, the Black Lives Matter community has tried so hard to make these jumps and say, hey, you know, we are are a community. We are individuals just as you have and the next person, you know, we are all one. And nothing seems to be changing. They turned Black Lives Matter into a violent protest. They said this is an intrusive movement. You know, this is this and this. Do you remember the thing in St. Louis when the people were just marching past their house and they had to pull up their a- AR-15s and this and that and ended up shooting somebody or whatever. Man, man, man I'm sorry, my facts aren't accurate. Do not quote me. But it's just the fact. You see a large population of African Americans walking past your two million dollar house, Caucasian perfect lifestyle, to where you were handed it because you are Caucasian and your parents were Caucasian and never had to deal with this stuff in the sixties. And you're gonna think the worst. Exactly. It's the saddest thing in the world. You know, man, can I stay from the conversation real quick? It's been on my mind for a minute. Oh, yeah. I'm, can I throw something completely random out? Go ahead. This, this, the show is normally pretty damn. I think this is the longest I've had a subject go in quite a while. 
So I, mean, I actually have been wondering, I was like, man, I think I'm really good at this. I'm going to be on Chad's show maybe once in a while, you know? I liked it. thought I'm doing pretty good. Oh, no. What's your honest opinion? How have I been on a live podcast? You're doing pretty damn good. I haven't got any feedback yet from the show. Normally, I've got about three or four different people sending me a text message saying, oh, yeah, I like that, da 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 And tonight's the first night I opened up the chat room. Um, <clears throat> on a night-to-night basis, on a week-to-week basis, I never know who's who's showing up or who's listening to the show. Um, so it's, it's one of those things. And like I said... I mean, I- are listening to what's going on. Yeah, I, I never know who's listening unless unless if unless they pop in the uh, to the chat room. I don't know if they're listening or how they're listening until like a couple of days later when I get the statistics. Oh god, like a live viewer count or anything. Yeah, unfortunately, it does not have a live viewer count. Um, not when they click from the link. Now, if they call in. If they call in, I can see how many people are called in and are listening. Um, and every once in a while, I'll get one or two people that actually call the guest call in line and will do it. Most of my listeners tend to listen to the recorded. I know there's a there's a band down in Cherryville that tends to listen to the live version of the show every week. And they've been promoting my show at all their shows and all their venues. And I gotta give mad props. I gotta give mad props to him. I don't even. I don't remember the name. I don't even think Rick told me their name. I know he was. He was going to, and things we got just kind of distracted. He never told me their name. Their name. But I gotta give mad props, and I know next week I'm gonna. I'm gonna definitely do a, a shout out to him just because of the fact that that's something that they're doing during their. I'm getting. They're plugging me during their show, and I can't even plug them on my show because I don't know their name. I just know they're from Cherryville. Is that like Kansas or Missouri? That sounds real Midwest. That's, that's, that's Kansas. <laughs> I've lived pretty long enough to know that's a Kansas town. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, southeastern Kansas. And to our, uh, our, our non state or non Kansas listeners, I mean, we have a town here called Coffee. We have, it's like the people who this day and was like, you know what? I drink some real good coffee today. Hey, let's name this town Coffeeville. <laughs> Actually, Coffeeville was named after. I don't. I don't remember. I, I don't remember the gentleman's first name, but his last name was Coffee. You know what I love you, Ted. You got random facts for everything. And uh, just uh, just south down there, just south, um, there's a town called Chitopa, <laughs> and it was named after an Indian chief, Chief Chitopa. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I can get that kind of stuff. But there's a, God, I mean, I'm seeing the, the weirdest names in the world. Like, especially, have you noticed, like, creeks and rivers around Kansas have the weirdest names? Like, you got, like, Rising Turkey River. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and just, you do all the things, you know, like, what happened? Uh, bull, bull Creek. God, what are the name of the pioneers? I wish I knew this. I don't know why, though. I'm from a city where they had ventured through. Um, Lewis and Clark, like yeah. you gotta think, like Clark just walk through here and see a turkey rising from like his lumber and be like, that's rising turkey river. That's mm-hmm. what we're calling now. Well, a lot of it was also a lot of those, a lot of those creeks were still, 
they kept the Indian name um, the way as it was translated over um, for a lot of the Greeks. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. Okay, but back to the, the random thing that I had to mention today. I went to a comedy show tonight. You know, the last time I was talking, I had actually been coming back from a comedy show. Uh, I go to a party. I started the comedy club at Kansas City, right over there off State Line. Yeah, I know the club. I did stand up over there. The good stand up, you know. They had Adam Ray in there tonight. You know, shout out Adam Ray. If any of the listeners or you personally I know who Adam Ray is, he's a great comedian. He's been doing it for quite some years. He's gone as far as Mad uh, TV, Comedy Central, yeah. many other things that I can mention on top of my head. He's a great comedian, starstruck. This is the first comedian I've got to see who I've notably seen on live television who I've been like that's that's an amazing guy doing an amazing profession you know and I, I got to see him right that right. was cool and stuff and then towards the end of the show he points me out you know and to the people who don't know me I have long hair <laughs> it's the first thing anybody knows about me right and he says he I know he's making a long eye contact with me and my dream was always to be shouted out at a comedy show you know like you know, loud Say something about me. Let's have a little conversation. Make some crowd work happen. Right. He looks at me for a solid, you know, my like 15 seconds. I'm just a man. I don't know what this is, but I'm loving this beautiful eye contact between one of my favorite comedians. And then he says something. Right? <laughs> and I didn't hear what he said. So I looked at Harmony. Apparently, my first guest is looking at my girlfriend. Like, did you hear that? She's like, I wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> he said something. And you got some beautiful hair. Oh, thank you. And the first place, the corny thing I said on my mouth was, I grew myself. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, that's what I'm looking at. But the way you, like, carry yourself, your shoulders are wide. The way you like, leave it on your table, he was like, I knew you were a male. So I had to, you know, I've been looking at you the whole show. I had to figure out before I said something. We go into it. Like, so what's your occupation? I'm actually switching dollars, but for the longest time I've been doing uh I've been working with disabled children, you know, I work with children who simply have disabilities. You know, it's a very honorable profession. And he had a joke previous in the show where he had a lifelong friend who worked at a uh, grocery store with him who had disabilities. The joke goes on where he uh, diabolically dropped these people's pickles on the floor because he slept with his mom or whatever, broke his marriage. It's a great joke. I, I'm not going to quote it word for word because I wouldn't do it any justice like Adam did. But he goes, you know, man, he quotes that, and he goes, man, so that's an amazing profession. So, uh, with, that, with that hair, I would have thought you were a band. I was like, no. And he asked me if I could become a band. I wish I could do table turners or something. And he goes, table turner, you can be a bass player for him. And I was like, do you know who that is? And I paused for a second and said, nope, don't know the world. And he goes, well, what's your name? you got to have a cool name for a cool white dude with long hair. I said, I also don't have that. My name is Strike. And he goes, well, that's a cool name. He was like, you're a rapper, right? Yeah, I, I tell him, yeah, I am a rapper. I don't even know if you know this, Adam, but I am a rapper. No, I know. I think but, um, I, I, I'm Drake, but I'm the white person. He'd be like, what is that? You put that on your business or something? That is just also poor. But he was like, but, uh, you know. Working with disabled children. That's got a pay good amount. He was like, that's way more honorable than me. I come up here and I tell stupid ass jokes to make these four people laugh because they decided to come to the comedy club in Kansas City. You gotta make like $50 an hour. And I was like, man, I wish, right? 
everybody knows most of the hospital bills come out of that before anything. You know, I'm just talking smoking mirrors now. I'm just doing my stage feel like I should be up there myself. I like I get a, I get bit a lot, you know. You know how the line of work is. I get a I get bit a lot. He was like, you get bit a lot. He was like, man, I don't even know if I've been bit since I was six years old. He was like, what's that like? They're just sitting around eating Southbury steaks and decide, you know what? I'm gonna bite him. And I was like, well, you know, the Southbury's me next. Yeah. But it's good, right? Right. And he was like, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I use a good body stuff, you know. Good body soap. That's the thing they would say. You've been working with those kids for too long. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a great guy. Real funny to me. Real nice guy. I met up with him after the show. I went up. I shook hands with him. I said, no. I'm sure you hear this a lot. I'm a huge fan. We're watching yourself. We're on a last back. Eight years ago. Eight years ago, I was 12 years old. You know, so it's crazy to think about. I was watching yourself, staying up and having my bedtime watching you on comedy since you know, the last factor, whatever it was. And he was like, Man, that's that's amazing. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. He actually reached out to the point where he was like, uh, Well, I want you to add me on Instagram. I want you to DM me. I haven't done yet because I mean, it's my first time having a celebrity contact me. And be like, Man, man, text me, right? So I don't know. I was like, You know, they say when you text a girl, you should wait three days. But I'm over here like, Man, what if he forgets about me in that time? He meets a lot of people. He's saying it. Right. But he said, uh, he said, text me on Instagram, send me an address, I want to send you some merch, you know, I'm, uh, keep a touch with you, you're a real, real cool guy, who my dreams of being a comedian, but, um, oh, uh, also, another random thing to bounce off, you can tell me when to stop telling these random stories, it is your story, man. No, or it dude, is your, that's, dude, how do you think I get through 90 minutes and a half the time? It's, it's, uh, uh oh, squirrel. Well, um. I mean, I don't know how many people we've got from Kansas City or from the, the area. People who even listen to rap music particularly. I'm a rapper. I've been doing it for years. I just started to take it serious. I've just been in the studio. I shut off Studio B. It, uh, it's a studio out right down in the city. We're near Kansas City, you know, uh, subsection of Kansas City, if anything. But I've been working with him lately. And I've, I've put out two tracks so far. I haven't released my building an album. And I noticed that he has a discography. I'm not saying that right. I don't want to sound stupid on live there. <laughs> but the discography of this uh, particular rapper from Kansas City named Lindell. And I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I don't forget to John. But uh, he's, he's a very well-known rapper from Kansas City. If you have anything to do with the Kansas City raps, then you know who Lindell is, right? Well, he had this song. You know, keep in mind, I'm from St. Justin, Missouri, and that's not too far from Kansas City. You know, Kansas City basically one stone throw away is the same thing. You need this this song. It's called "On My Mama" by Lindell, and this is this uh, this l- lyric in the end of it. He said, uh, "Making a paper trip or out in St. Joe on a paper trip, right?" So we used to go crazy over that. Nobody shouted out our city. That never happened. You know, that was amazing. It was oh my god, this song had thousands of views. I think it was like two or three hundred thousand views on this particular song. Like wow. That's more people than we have living in the city, and they've heard about St. Joe. And it's one little verse. But uh, I'm sitting there in the studio, and I, I bring it up, and I was like, man, you produced for Lindell. And you're like, yeah, man, that's, that's my boy, right? I was like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome, right? Before I know it, he's sitting here FaceTiming Lindell. And I'm like, oh, God. Uh, I'm this little white boy from St. Joe with long hair who thinks he can rap. I'm getting real nervous. I'm fixing my hair. I'm 
I'm like, oh, God, does my breath smell good? <laughs> not even thinking <laughs> space time, right? <laughs> I'm sitting there hoping. It rings like four or five times. And I'm hoping, man, please don't pick up. Please don't pick up. This is not the day. <laughs> and, of course, Wendell picks up. He's like, hey, what you doing, B? He's like, I'm uh, I'm taking a shit, man. What you up to? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great. Starstruck once again, and I'm meeting this guy when he's on the shitter, right? <laughs> Like man, I got this this cat in here, right? And he's been making this this you know this pretty fresh tracks in here. And he was like, uh, you know, he he, he mentioned it. He saw your thing on my wall, and he said, you know, I'm a big fan of that guy, man. This and this. And I just wanted to uh, give you the chance to meet him. And I'm thinking, oh my god, this guy. Who does he think I am? He got potential on me or something, right? Like he just he he says, all right, famous friend. Let me call him up for this dude. Something and uh, not everybody does that for the famous friends, right? Right. Because <laughs> he, he puts the camera on me, and I'm like, it was like this wave of just like, oh God, what do I say? And I said, hey man, been a big fan of your music, you know. Shout out Lindell, big fan of your music, loved it since high school. You were literally the anthem for high school, you know. He was like, man, that awesome. Like, we get out of high school, out of class, we'd go up, we'd roll back, we in the car, and blare your stuff on the radio. And chances were somebody else had the same song or at least songs from that same album blaring off on their radio. And you just look at each other and it's like, yeah, that's Lindell, right? Man, that is, that's amazing. You know, I'm like, thank you. I really do appreciate that. You see what music you make. And part of that hit me on a offensive level. <laughs> I got B as my producer, you know. He's producing your music. You know what kind of music I make? I'm a, I'm a rapper, right? Come on, give me <laughs> I'm a rapper. I know I'm white. I'm a little chubby, and I got this long hair. But come on, man! Like, I'm all, I was like, I'm, I'm like, I'm a rapper, right? Like, all right. Well, I'm in LA right now. I'm getting ready for a studio or uh, for an interview. Next time I'm in Kansas City, I'm gonna have to come by and I'm gonna link up with you with the year song. Get in the studio. I'm gonna listen to your stuff. Maybe work with you a little bit. Get some awesome ideas out of my mind. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm seeing stars in my eyes. I'm seeing dollar bills. I'm like, oh my god. Lindell, right? This guy got a million views on one of his songs. I'm thinking, oh, shut like, This is Kendrick Lamar. Wow. I'm thinking, oh, I'm... and then that was uh, that was on Wednesday, and here comes Friday, or no, we're on Thursday. That was yesterday. Jesus. Yeah. Here's the other week. Yesterday that happened, and here comes today, and I meet Adam Ray, one of my favorite comedians in the world. And I'm telling Harmon, you know, my girlfriend, after the, the viewers have heard me mention her, I'm millennial honest by this point. But I'm like, man, I don't know if I can take this many celebrities, you know? Even if Lindell isn't a famous celebrity, he's famous for Kansas City, you know? He's still a you celebrity. Know? He's doing stuff in LA. He's doing interviews out there. He's a celebrity, right? Right. Like, take all this, you know? Every time I meet a celebrity, my heart is kind of popping. Like, what do I say next? And eventually, I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> For of all time, it's Kendrick Lamar. Are you, uh, how much music have you listened to by Kendrick Lamar, Chad? Uh, not a whole lot. Probably a very small little bit. You got to realize, you got to realize, sometimes I have music on just as a background, and I don't pay attention to who or what I'm listening to. Oh, it's cool. I there's an age difference. I get that completely. A lot of old music. I'm sure you've noticed. I still me playing my music. 
but I listen to a lot of current stuff too. But Kendrick Lamar will always be my favorite artist, and simply for the fact that he was lyrical and everything has a meaning. That is exactly what I try to pursue out of my music. He was my first concert. I went. I missed the first day of junior year to go see his concert at Sprint Center back in what was still at Sprint Center in Kansas City, Missouri. You know, it was a uh, Kendrick Lamar, YG, and Dram. You know, and it was the coolest thing I had ever seen. I'm just thinking, man, if I get this way, me and Adam Ray, and Ted, let me be honest, you ever heard of Adam Ray, comedian? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he was, he's been yeah. in a couple, he's been at a couple of shows that I did stand up at. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, like, personally, I didn't think you would know Adam Ray, cause, I mean, unless you're really into comedy, and I didn't know you were in a stand-up comedy, unless you're into comedy, you're probably not going to know Adam Ray, you know, he's on Dave Hill, like, Dave Center. You know? Right, right. Like, uh, so the two celebrities, but I'm, I, okay, I take it back. Three celebrities I met, and the third one, you're not going to lie. Nobody likes to hear about this one. Nobody hears, but nobody knows who the celebrities I met is. So the moment I meet Kendrick Lamar, my favorite actor of all time, you know, I don't know how I'm going to act. I'm literally going to have a heart attack. I'm going to go to them and be like, nice, nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. And I'm like, ah, ah. Ugh. He's not gonna know if I'm sitting there outside of the meeting or having an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> I was just sitting there thinking that. <laughs> it, it's undeniable. I'm probably doing both. But uh, I mean, okay. So to go back to the third celebrity I've met that I can notably mention is uh, well, besides President Barack Obama, you know, I feel like I should say R.P. because that's that's a Damn good generation we missed out on and so many people talk trash on. But man, how many times do you find yourself calling a Barack Obama tweet or a tweet, right? Mm-hmm. But uh I stopped flying away from the town that I was living in. <laughs> 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 the conversation. But I met Bill Cosby, right? Too fat. <laughs> met him, shook his hand, gave him a hug and everything. Now I did not drink anything he gave me. <laughs> I was also eight years old, so unfortunately, I was not elected by Cosby. And I say unfortunately because did you see how much those women were paid? Oh, well, <laughs> yes, they were paid a shit ton. And... I would not hey. be sitting here talking on the phone from inside an apartment complex with title like this. <laughs> no, no, you wouldn't. I, was, I, was, yeah, I, I got to, I got to meet. Uh, I met Tech Nine. He's an asshole. Uh, yeah, Tech Nine. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him until the day he dies. Tell me about the because I was never really a big fan of music. I mean, three songs that I like. Okay, that's it. But he's an asshole, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. Totally mentioned one song, and he did it with this guy named Token. It was a white rapper. Maybe I'm biased. I'm over here like, man, white people can rap too, right? So I'm like, yeah, that's a good rapper. But that was a good song. Yeah, not all white uh, not all white people can rap good, okay? Uh, just just I like, like just like this. not all country artists can rap either, okay? Oh uh, god. I'm gonna send you my music as this. I actually hope you shout me out and maybe play a bit of my music or something on the show. I mean I'll, something. Maybe we should wait until I drop some stuff. I I gotta wait till court because the stuff I talk about in my music is probably for a selective listener. Right. Not the person I Oh, God, I feel bad just saying that because I'm like, oh, God, I hope you don't hear this. <laughs> All right. No. 
say the least. But I, I, honestly, passion and heart in my music, and whether it's the songs where I was doing very selective bad things in my life, but the way I feel about her in particular, she's not gonna like it. So I gotta wait until chord level, which hopefully it's a slow process. I just can't see myself putting this out and her using that to take my time away. Oh, I'm fact. Uh, by the way, I'm just looking. You know, I'm a little quiet because I'm, I'm fact checking what I said earlier, and I think I had the wrong town. I'm still in the right area, but it, it may be Humboldt and not Cherryville. I've actually heard of Humboldt. I know what you're talking about there. Never been there, but I've heard it. <laughs> you know, I've heard it in history. I've, I've, I've been there. Uh, so tell me about the story with Tech Nine, though. You didn't hear about that. About, about what now? Uh, let me know your, uh, your your story with Tech Nine. Let me hear that. How did you come about meeting Tech Nine? How did you come to? Oh, no, come fuck, to no, fuck Tech Nine. Fuck him. Fuck him in his booty hole. Okay. Well, uh, explain it to me. What? How did the conversation go? My mom said honestly, kind of the same thing, but she also said she don't remember him. Pretty white girl, drunk. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think he was high when I ran into him, but. So you know where the Great Mall is at, right? Uh, the the old one that the, the old Great Mall, yeah. Well, back in the day, back in the day, I say back in the day, the Great Mall was open and had every shop in there open and for business. Well, yeah, me, me and Rick happened to be me and Rick happened to be running through there and just looking through shit and looking through stuff. Rick went into the store. And uh, I was out looking, going and looking for another store, and I slammed into it, and I and I turned to look, and I went to walk, and I literally got ran into by somebody. Mm-hmm. As I'm pulling myself from the wall, it was fucking Tech Nine, and then, and then as soon as I moved from the wall, I get hemmed up by his little fucking security guards. Look, keep going, keep going. And he was being a fucking ass about it, telling me I should have watched where I was going when that little sawed-off motherfucker ran into me. And people, though, you know, people in general. I see too much of that in everyday life, so it's unfortunate. Oh, wait, hold on. So, Corey Stout from... I'm probably saying the name of the band, saying it wrong, but it's Tarakuda. Tarakuda. I'm probably saying it wrong, but the band's name is Tarakuda, and the the main the the main guy from the band is Corey Stout. And Corey, uh, dude, if if you're listening and I said your name wrong or your band name wrong, I am 100% sorry. Uh, I am right now working on 25 seconds of sleep. So, I'm just saying, I've been up all night playing with my Blackbone and uh, playing Call of Duty Mobile like a super chief. So, I'm sorry if I mispronounced the name of your band wrong. If I did, I'm sorry. You can always send me a message later or come join the show later and or next week or tell Rick and Rick will say it the correct way next week, provided that he's not off doing some shenanigans in some comedy store, okay? Ah, so I do apologize. 
I also met Tom Cruise again. He is an asshole. I could see that one, one hundred percent. I mean, I could see that man being an asshole, but at Tom Cruise, that just makes sense. Mission Impossible, you're not that damn perfect. Stop thinking that. Yeah, no, Tom Cruise is a dick. Uh, I. I didn't get to meet my favorite person, one of my favorite comedians I wanted to meet in the whole wide world was George Carlin. I did not get to meet him, but I did get to see him right before he passed, though. So that was like a that was like on my bucket list was to see his routine, see his stand up, and I got to finally I got to do it. Um, uh, and you know, and then of course you know I got the wrestlers that I've met. I've met Hulk Hogan. I've met Junkyard Dog. Uh, I've met John Cena, who, honest to God, is a really nice person. Um, I've met, uh, yeah, no, he really is. He's a he's a he's a top notch guy. Um, let's see, who else have I met? I met Goldberg. I met Stone Cold Steve Austin. Fun fact: When I was a kid, I used to have WWE on my Xbox. Right? I don't know which one, but Goldust was on there, right? <laughs> My stepdad, he's like, all right, stepdad. And he, I wouldn't say he's sexist or biased or anything like that. It's just he was raised in the 90s. I, I guess I found bias from the previous conversation. But he would throw around the word fag as if it was just genuinely a, a funny insult, right? I, I know this man. My girlfriend is bisexual. He loves harmony, you know? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he's that kind of person entirely. But, uh, man, every time we played WWE together on the Xbox original, I'd always say Goldust. I thought he had a super cool uniform. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that guy is legit. Wearing tight, black and gold, that's what's up. He was like, why do you pick the baggiest character in the whole game? <laughs> I'm like, man, whatever, man. He's cool. Goldust. That's right. He was cool. Yeah, I don't give a fuck what anybody said. He was cool. Cause exactly. you, you know, you know who originally was Gold Dust, right? What did you say? The original Gold Dust. What about it? Was Dusty Rhodes? Oh, really? Yep, it was Dusty Rhodes, and then it was his son. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Hey, Chad, um, I just took time. It is eleven twenty. I got to drive about forty-five minutes back home." I'm at a buddy's house. All right, um, all right. Woke up. She's going to hate me. This and that. I'm drawing, so she's got to drive. <laughs> so, uh, but I loved it. I was, I loved being on the show. It was amazing. Uh, well, we try were. to get me back time again. Well, we loved having you on. Uh, I'm sure we might be able to get you on next week. We'll just have to see. I, I know I'm trying to get a female. I'm trying to get a female to come in and mix up with us, but Every female I've tried just won't do it. And I don't know why. Um, maybe I can convince her to come back. Real smart person. She's got some deep intellect between her mind, between those little ears of hers. There's a lot going on in that mind. She's a, uh, she's a psych major. Beautiful woman, beautiful mind. Maybe I can convince her to come on. But uh, next week, if I get the chance, maybe I'll come on there and show some uh, some of my music. But I'll send you some of my stuff first. Let you know if it's radio play quality. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Well, it depends on, you know, am I going to have to do this to it? I just want to know, am I going to have to be like, and Drake is like, I'm going to have to be like, am I going to have to do that to it? 
I mean, Drake talking about licking a and sticking a in her. No. I mean, so it's more like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll quote a lyric real quick. Uh, so this is one where it's, um, yeah, I'm talking about the mother of my child, and it's, I hope she really doesn't listen to this. I'm, I, I don't know, know, dude. No, I, no, let's, let's not, because I, I don't know, because she still. She sees my story, and so she sees my timeline and my post, so she could be listening. For all I know, she might might well, be bored listening. So we ain't going I'm go not gonna ahead. start nothing, well, dude. Let's not go ahead. Well, it's gonna start something when I release it publicly, but let's not spoil the surprise for her, right? That's right. And hey, hey, remember this, okay? Uh, 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 don't give me attitude, sir. <laughs> exactly. Well, all I had to say is it worked for Eminem when he came out and talked openly about his mother his child. So, hoping it works for me. I'm sure. I'm sure. My will. producer said touched his heart. He felt it relatably. I think you would too. But uh, I'll send you some of the links, some of my music. It's on Google Drive. I don't know if you have a Google Drive account, but that's uh, really the only way to be able to listen to it right now. Right. Right. Okay. Well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, send send me some links. I'll give it a listen to, and see what's up. No. All right, man. Well, it was good talking to you. Good be on the show. Good having you on the show. Hey, and everybody listening, the part of Rick was played by Drake. I have by Drake. Drake played Rick tonight. Rick was not available because he was off in a corner choking his chicken at a comedy show. So that he was a part of. <laughs> Uh, Which show was he at? What club? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. He was doing a show. He had a show. He had to do. He was doing a show tonight. So, but he was a part oh, of. So, he he does uh, he does improv. He does improv. He does stand up. He does occasionally does open mic. Well, he does a lot of open mics to help pone his stuff. Um, he he. I think he was at a. I think he was working with an improv group tonight. So that's, I mean, that's what I think. I think that's what. Well, he probably was at the same club. There's not a lot no. of improv that goes down at the comedy club. No, he was not there. He was at some place down south, if I remember correctly. Ah, uh, got gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So everybody, I want you to, before Drake goes, give him a good round of applause, please. Here we go. We're glad well, to have you, you on here. Thank you. I and, appreciate it, man. Next time I gotta appear in person. And uh, next time, next time, maybe he will be live and in person, but. He still has to find the albino village, and that's a hard village to find. <laughs> There's only a few people that know where the albino village is at and have been granted access into the albino village. Well, you can't see me right now, but I am bowing down and praying for the past. <laughs> well, until you grow boobs and a vajayjay, you probably will not get that pass. Told you chubby oil. I already got the boobs. <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, it might happen. All right, well, I'll let you get so you can get to your thing. I am about to end the show anyway because I am waiting on a phone call. I'm waiting on a phone call. And the show, literally, dude, you just went, you almost went a full 90 minutes. Hey, Harmony. 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 Hey, girl. You know what? You something special, you know this, right? 
Yeah, the only time I hung up on you is because my phone. All right. You guys be good, okay? All right. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Chad. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. There we go, everybody. That was Drake. He is candidate number candidate number three for the third co-host. And, well, this show actually went pretty decent, I think. I, I might have to go back and listen to it because I know the phone was cutting in and out. But his was sad to say. But, all right, everybody, remember, a famous guy once said, do it in the butt. So, America, what I want you to do tonight is I want you to grab your loved one. I want you to grab her, pull her in tight, or him. And ladies, you grab your loved one too, either her or him. Pull them up close and tight. And do it. Do it to them in the butt. Okay? Just, just do it. And good night.